Hey guys, this is Riley. Welcome back to Ill-Advised Stories, Chapter 2 of the Adventures of Sparky and Spazoid, Portal's World. If you haven't listened to Chapter 1, well then I'm about to spoil it. If you have, here's a little summary to remind you what happened. Sparky and Spaz are space explorers, and they spent the whole chapter crashing on an alien planet. That's right, my dad managed to stretch a single crash into a whole chapter. Actually, the boys spent a lot of time arguing over what defines a crash. They'll get back to that soon, when they're not dangling from a floating mountain by a parachute. By the way, only Sparky is a boy. Spaz is a spaceship for the moment, but that's about to change. Chapter 2. A brief intermission, followed by a longer intermission, followed by more falling. Far below, and a few miles away from Sparky and Spazwig, was a hive of creatures starting their day. Their name was unpronounceable in our language, but if it were translated, it would sound something like tonsil terrors. Tonsils are a useless organ in your throat that medical experts on Earth feel you don't need anymore. I will not debate this, but I will say many humanoid alien races throughout the universe still have theirs. Tonsils are useless to them as well. To the tonsil terrors, this pointless organ has a purpose. They're great spots for laying eggs. The tonsil terrors weren't from this planet. They landed here a long time ago. The story of their arrival and what happened after is a violent one that the reader might find upsetting. See, these creatures weren't overly smart, but what they lacked in intelligence, they made up for in aggression and durability. They were so tough they rode on the back of meteors. After crashing into a world, they'd start spreading and breeding. At one time, this planet had been something impressive, the home of a wise and ancient alien race. They were long gone by the time the tonsil terrors showed up. But humanoids, not from Earth, but somehow related to us, took up residence here, building a civilization. Within a few months following a small meteor crash that carried tonsil terrors, those humanoids were no longer around. Thousands of tonsil terror offspring had used those poor people in an unpleasant way. It was an ugly process, and in the end, the tonsil terrors had most of the world to themselves. There weren't many interesting things that happened in the day of a tonsil terror. So when two rockets came crashing down outside their hive, it caused a bit of a stir. The thrusters, though they had crashed, were still in decent shape. Spazoid's parts were made to be reused, even after they crashed. It was a wise foresight with a partner like Sparky. We now return to our heroes as they hang off the side of a floating rock. The weather on this world wasn't very pleasant, as Sparky and Spazoid found out. Occasionally, the greenish sky showed through the clouds. However, there was a strong breeze that was unwilling to give the two dangling explorers a break. Would you look at that? Sparky said. The ground or the wall, there's not much else, Spaz asked. No, above us. There's something moving up there. Sparky got closer to the canopy, trying to see what it was. He pressed his face against the dome. He could see where the parachute had snagged on a rock. Something was near it, moving around. It's probably birds. I bet they nest up there. Probably poop all over, too. Disgusting creatures. Stupid birds, Spaz grumbled. What's your issue? Sparky asked, even though he heard this before. If you flew, you'd understand. Birds get in your way and act like they own the sky. And again, they literally poop on everything. Remember that one world? That swarm? It took me forever to get all the feathers out of my exhaust. Okay, but there's something up there, and it's not a bird. How do you know? Spazoid asked. Well, it's running around on the ledge, and it's not flying. There are birds that don't fly. Penguins, ostriches, that giant turkey dinosaur thing we saw in Alpha Centauri. 
Spaz had a slight tremble in his voice as he remembered the gobbling roar. Yeah, but I seriously doubt a bird that can't fly would nest on a floating rock miles above the ground. And whether it's a bird or not, it doesn't matter. It's messing with our parachute, the only thing keeping us from falling. Okay, fine. We'll go investigate. Hang on while I make some changes, Spaz said. Oh, man. Sparky hurried back to his seat. He preferred not being inside his friend when he was changing. It was disconcerting having Spaz's innards move and tighten around him. Sparky wasn't claustrophobic, but he wasn't a fan of being crushed either. Spazoid's whole body vibrated. Sparky could feel it in his teeth. The panels changed, twisting and folding. He glanced out of the canopy and saw a hand pop out. It grabbed hold of the cliff face, slamming into it. Then another, and another. One thing Spazoid wasn't short on was arms. The cockpit bucked as Spaz went from being a spaceship to a robot. Sparky found himself sitting above his friend's back. There was still a canopy over him, but the space was smaller, and the flight controls were gone. Spaz had no interest in having someone tell him how to walk or climb. The last thing to move into place was the single remaining thruster. It came up and mounted on his back. That's better, Spaz said. Sparky's knees were shoved up into the dashboard. Yeah, for you, maybe, but it's a little cramped in here. Would you prefer to get out? Maybe, you know, when we're back on the ground. I thought so. Spaz started to climb. Where are you going? To get my parachute off the ledge. Besides, I thought you wanted to see that thing. What with your fondness for aliens and all. Good. I was going to say that we should do that anyway. Spazoy didn't dignify that with an answer. He let out another long sigh and climbed. His robotic arms, all four of them, smashed into the rock face. He extended his fingers into spikes that tore into the stone, making handholds. As he climbed, he felt the line for the parachute become slack. He probably could have tugged it loose and finished falling to the ground, but if it ripped, their trip might go faster than he wanted. The slack in the parachute's line didn't last. Something up top pulled at it. Your alien is playing with our chute, Spaz said. What do you mean? Sparky tried looking up. Spaz pointed to the ledge where the lines were being dragged over the side. He reached up and grabbed the cords, pulling them back. Come here, you! Don't! You might tear them! Sparky warned. Spaz held on a moment longer, feeling the tension. Fine, but whatever is up there, I don't like it. And I have some stern words about messing with a robot's stuff. Just wait until I get up there! He shouted the last part, shaking a fist. I'm sure you'll give it an earful, if it's got ears, Sparky said. They reached the ledge, and Spaz pulled himself over. He stood to his full height of two and a half meters. Or if you're more comfortable with American measurements, he was eight feet tall. If you have trouble picturing that, and sports references make more sense, then he was taller than most NBA players and could dunk without jumping. The cliff face was even taller. It climbed up into the clouds in front of them. There was a trail of rocky ledges going up the side, broken occasionally by a dark cave. These are totally birds. Evil ones too, I bet, Spaz whispered. There's no such thing as evil birds. They're just birds. Sparky snapped. Though as he looked at the shadowy opening, he had his doubts. You're going to tell me that turkey dinosaur wasn't evil? Spaz asked, keeping his voice low. No, he was just hungry. Sparky's eyes were on the plants clinging to the ledge. They were long, aggressive-looking vines blowing in the wind. The leaves were all chewed up. Whatever was up there had to be a plant eater. He wanted to get a closer look. Pop the hatch, he ordered. What are you, crazy? We don't even know what it is. Spaz still teetered on the edge, but there wasn't much chance of him falling. His feet were broad and his legs were short so they could carry his heavy body. He bent down and grabbed the parachute lines. I'm just going to retrieve this. He gave it a little tug. 
Something on the other side, and the cave tugged back. I want to look around. Sparky found the emergency escape button and slammed his fist down on it. The hatch slid back, and he climbed over Spaz's broad shoulders, then down his arm. He landed on the cliff and looked past Spaz's leg. This ledge is a lot smaller than I thought, Sparky almost said. But then he looked up at the robot towering over him and decided to keep his thoughts to himself. Spaz's big eyes glowed softly, and his even bigger nose cast a shadow over Sparky. He had a sensor package in there that came in handy, but it made his face look like a cross between a Groucho Marx disguise and a grasshopper. Sparky took out his pulse pistol. He reached over and touched the parachute line, feeling the tension. It's not a vine. You can let go. It's going to taste terrible anyway, he called at the mouth of the cave. How do you know it wants to eat it? Maybe it wants it for its nest or something. Have you ever felt how soft one of these things are? Spaz held up the line as he asked. Sparky shook his head. What do you know about soft? You're made out of metal. That's just hurtful. You know I've got very sensitive sensors. I'm sorry. I'm sure it's very nice fabric, but does that really matter right now? I suppose not, Spaz said, pulling again, hand over hand. Either way, I've had enough of this. Sparky stepped back, going closer to his friend, away from the mouth of the cave. He waited to see what was on the other end of the parachute. He could hear its feet dragging on the sandy soil, trying to fight Spaz. They had the distinct click of hooves. Slowly, the creature came into view. It had a long face and even longer horns, a little beard, and creepy rectangular pupils in its eyes. Huh, Sparky said recognizing the creature. Its presence on an alien world made no sense. Sparky had never actually been on the surface of Earth, but he knew what a goat was, and he knew he was staring at one right now. It was the kind you'd see in a petting zoo or on a farm, stubbornly holding the parachute in its mouth. Well, that's odd, Sparky said. It's a goat, Spaz said, still holding the line, though he wasn't pulling anymore. The goat, on the other hand, slowly tried to swallow the parachute one bite at a time. Sure looks that way, Sparky responded while putting his pulse pistol back in its holster. Weird, right? Spaz asked. Very, Sparky agreed. I know there's such a thing as convergent evolution, Spaz said, referring to the concept that similar traits could develop by chance in different species. And there's that whole idea of star seeding. The theory that alien life sent DNA out into deep space to reproduce. But really, goats? Sparky turned and looked at Spaz. Yeah, I don't get it either. There's something very strange about this planet! Sparky was interrupted. He didn't get to finish his sentence, or even the word planet, because he was learning something that many a farmer could tell you. It's always a bad idea to turn your back on a billy goat. With the parachute still in its mouth, the goat had charged forward, ramming Sparky's backside. The next thing the boy knew, he was flying out over the ledge, falling towards the ground again. This time, he didn't have the benefit of being inside his robot friend. Oh no, poor Sparky. Don't worry, he'll be fine. Probably. I hope you have enjoyed the story so far. There's 19 chapters altogether, and they'll be coming out every Tuesday. The book is out now, and you can buy it on Amazon if you want to look at the illustrations while you read along, or if you want to read ahead. I'm recording this message on a very exciting day. I officially started writing book two. Anyway, Merry Christmas to you guys, and thanks for listening. As always, the music was provided by Kevin McLeod. We'll see you here next week.